Holy smokes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to, hold your thought. Welcome to season two of The Grumpy Bunny. I uh, I hope you are as excited as I am to bring this brand new season to you. I, um, holy cow, I can't believe I'm actually even saying that we have a season two. You know, I have to start by saying that I'm unbelievably appreciative to iLogic for giving me an opportunity to even have a season one, even more to have a season two. Um, you know, we have not really made that many changes, which I'll talk about in just a second. <laughs> but, you know, I'm hoping that this season's just going to bring a lot of really fun and new things to you, uh, just to take a nice humorous time out of your day. If you are brand new to the Grumpy Bunny and have absolutely no idea what this guy in a really dope mustache right now. Yes, yes, thank you. Low, low rent, low. Mm. Anyway, if you are new to the whole thing uh, and you have no idea what the Grumpy Bunny is, let me tell you, I am not a chef. I do love to cook. I am a celiac, which means that I have to be gluten-free. And I, over the years, have come up with a lot of really fun ways and not, well, not fun, actually, just really good ways to try to make food that wasn't necessarily gluten-free, gluten-free for me. Because things were way out of my price range if I could find them to be gluten-free or I couldn't guarantee that they were gluten-free. So I just learned how to make it myself. After a while, some friends of mine said, you know, you should have a restaurant. And I was like, no, you know, I think I want to have a show. Then my friends at iLogic and another friend who's actually my producer, uh, John, who let's give him a shout out for coming back for season two, especially for the amount that he gets paid, which is nothing. Um, and I decided to start this show, uh, which is an opportunity to bring my recipes and the recipes that I have adapted that weren't originally gluten-free to be gluten-free to you. Whether or not you're a celiac or you're just trying to be gluten-free or you're not even gluten-free, this is a really great and, well, I think a really great and awesome, fun show. Uh, so, obviously, everybody knows that we're always going to be celiac-friendly. So, even though I may not necessarily always say that something is gluten-free, you should always assume that it is gluten-free. And if so, call me out on Facebook or YouTube or on Twitter during the show to say, what is this gluten-free? And I will definitely remind everybody that it is gluten-free. You know, you can always find me on Facebook. You might be watching me right now on there or on Twitter. You can find me there too. All of my shows are going to be on, uh, are on YouTube and you can always find my past shows both on YouTube and at iLogic Media's website, which is iLogicMedia.com. That's where you can always grab the recipes for my shows too. So usually a few days prior or to a week prior, you'll find my recipes for the upcoming episode on the uh, the pre show set up for the newest show. That just doesn't make any sense. All the recipes are available online for you to check out at your convenience. They're available in a PDF form for you to easily print, or you can kind of like scroll through them on your phone. Um, we haven't quite figured out how to get it to tell Google, but we're going to work on that. So let's move on. I have taken my time off 
to get a new oven and uh, to talk about what we're going to do for the uh, next episodes and stuff. So I'm going to share with you quickly right now what I'm going to do for all of the episodes. We're going to have 10 this season. And then uh, periodically during the season, I will kind of show, share them again. We're going to do yeast rolls uh, with yeast breads, so rolls and other sweet breads and stuff. That's going to be on our following episode. And then two episodes from that, we're going to do jellies and jams. And I'm going to make these really neat jelly-filled uh shortbread cookies. After that, I think we're going to do meat, uh, meat and veggie pot pies. And then we're going to go from there to a smoked butterscotch pudding. And um, we're going to use our own um, chocolate mousse torts from a dough that we will make from a prior episode before. So again, I will kind of share as we go along, probably about four, uh, four episodes ahead. Uh, that way you can kind of plan for those things. And then throughout the episode, uh, throughout the season, I mean, if there's something that you really want to see, by all means, hit me up on Facebook or on uh, Twitter and say, hey, look, let's switch these out. And you know what? It just might happen. We'll go. So I'm excited. Are you? I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm a little high on some sugar because holy cow, do we have a great show for you today. We are going to make marshmallow treats from a well, that's just another story altogether. Uh, and then we're going to be making caramel corn. Really simple, really easy, really tasty to do. Those are what we're going to talk about today. And I say, let's get started. And speaking of get started, I should probably check my... Um, let's start with caramel corn. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. So caramel corn is pretty easy to make. Uh, you would think uh, if you've made this in the past, that's fantastic. Um, and you, you know, you well, don't fall asleep. Just continue watching this episode because we all know that I'm funny anyway. So first thing we're gonna do is preheat the oven to 225. We're gonna make a classic caramel that you're gonna use in uh, for the caramel corn. It gives it this nice hard crunch to it so that it works, doesn't stay sticky or anything like that and super easy. So as you saw in the uh, prior little pop-up, we're gonna preheat our oven to 225. You can do 252 if you want. 225 I think is great because I'm a slow and roll kind of person rather than not slow and roll. Um, and then what you're gonna do is get yourself situated for making the caramel. Now, what I'm gonna do now is I have one stick of butter. The recipe calls for five quarts, which means you would have used two sticks of butter, but I have made literally about 15 pounds of caramel corn, and I have it coming out of my ears. So I'm going to make a half-size recipe, which is just as easy to do, especially if you're not trying to feed a small army. So one cup of butter, one stick. I'm going to throw that right here over a medium heat. I love this new oven. Okay. Hands down. Best thing ever. So I'm gonna run on a medium heat. It's pretty important for you to understand a couple things. If you're using a full size burner with this thing, I would stay directly at medium, even a little below medium. So almost medium. If you're gonna be using a small burner, it's perfectly acceptable to stay on medium, maybe even a touch on the higher side. The idea though is to create it so that your butter here melts in about, I'd say one minute to about a minute and a half. If it starts to melt super fast, turn the heat down a little bit. I'm not, the, obviously, the opposite is true if you are seeing that it's not melting very fast. That's a good way to kind of help ensure that your caramel is going to turn out pretty effortlessly, <laughs> which is our goal, is to make effortless caramel popcorn. So I've got this right here, and it's melting. 
I'm always going to take the opportunity here to kind of get the rest of my stuff ready for the caramels because once the butter melts, things move pretty quick. You're going to want to make sure that you've got your brown sugar, your corn syrup, your vanilla, baking soda, and salt all ready to go. Because once your butter melts, it's going to start. I'm going to see here. I'm also going to wait until this butter has fully melted. So let's talk quickly uh, about popcorn. Now you can definitely make your popcorn in a, in a, in a stove pop uh, top like this in a nice big container using just one to two teaspoons or tablespoons of oil per about one third cup of kernels, okay? And you can also use an air popper. I personally like the air popper just a little bit more because I think I get nice big fluffier kernels out of it versus um, the uh, stove top where I sometimes either burn it because it's on too high of a heat and I'm getting great things or I'm not using enough heat when you're not using enough heat on the stove to pop your popcorn, what's going to happen is you're going to get dense kernels. Say, um, so just keep track of that. So air poppers are great. I actually went to uh, a big box store and I picked this one up for about 16 bucks. It doesn't need to be fancy. You know, this one that right here makes 15 cups, which is more than enough for you to even make this whole recipe. So I've got this down here. It's all in a melt. So I'm going to add about a tablespoon or a teaspoon, I'm sorry, of salt. I'm going to add my brown sugar. And my Cairo. At this point, I had a thing. All right, here we go. A quarter. So you're going to half a cup. I'm making the half size portion, so I'm going to make use a quarter cup here of this Cairo. And at this point, I'm going to start stirring. You'll notice that I said that you're going to want to stir. Let's see if I can do this here and not burn myself. You know, you want to stir for no more than two minutes. The reason is, is that you don't necessarily want to mess with the caramelization of the mixtures of the corn syrup, the sugar, and the butters. But you kind of want to make sure that everything gets mixed together. I'm going to pull this off the heat, which is a no-no to show you. Once that I get this milk fat here kind of inside that caramel, I'm going to stop with the stirring, okay? I'm blending everything together to ensure that I'm ready to go. I'm going to pull that out, and I'm going to let it sit for about four minutes. If you don't have a timer, I'll tell you how this works. This is going to start boiling from the outside of the pot inside. So you're going to see bubbles forming around the side. Don't panic. Don't touch it. You're going to, as they kind of start boiling a little bit more, you're going to see the bubbles focus more and more into the middle of the pot. Once the uh, boiling has commenced all the way to the middle of the pot, are you with me? You're going to wait maybe 10, 15 seconds. That's how you're going to know that it's ready to go to this next stage. So while I'm waiting for this to finish, let's talk about the pot. Ow, 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 ow. That was hot. The, <laughs> the popcorn husks and a really good and easy way. Ow, that was really hot. A really good and really easy way to ensure that you're not getting too many husks or seeds. I will take a large strainer. It's got holes and stuff like that in the side. And I will kind of rock this back and forth. And oftentimes what that's going to do is pour all of the seeds to the bottom and it's the holes on the sides of the strainer are actually going to help kind of 
pull the husks themselves, those sharp things that get caught in your teeth, out of the kernels themselves, leaving you in this pot, still pretty hot, uh, with, uh, with kind of like nice, simple popcorn that doesn't necessarily have too many of these husks on the inside. So you're less likely to come across seeds or those hard little things that get caught in your teeth or chip a tooth or, I, you know, any of those things. So at this point, we've been about two minutes into this conversation, and um, I now see it kind of boiling on the side. I'm not going to panic. You know what? I'm going to show you. Naughty, naughty. See, it's kind of boiling on the sides here like that, not in the middle. I'm going to put this right back on the burner here and hope that didn't mess that up. Okay? You don't want to do that, but then again, this is a show. How, right? How else am I supposed to do that? So it started boiling around these edges, and it hasn't started coming towards the center. As soon as we come to the center, we're going to move on to the next couple stages of, of the mixture on this, which is going to be the baking soda and the vanilla. We're going to mix those in in a little bit. We're going to add the baking soda first, then I'm going to add the vanilla. The baking soda kind of provides this airy nature to the caramel, kind of gets it to fuzz up a little bit, as does um, the vanilla, and that's kind of what gives us that rich kind of like almost shiny flavor. We are almost there. I've got maybe a minute left. So at this point, I'm getting everything ready to go for my stuff. All right. I have my spatula here. I'm going to spray with just a little bit of some nonstick spray. That way my caramel doesn't really stick. And I've got my vanilla and I got all this ready to go, right? Everything started to boil here in the middle. I'm going to take that one teaspoon of baking soda here. I'm going to turn off the heat. I'm going to bring it right here. I'm going to add the baking soda. So I'm going to stir this in and the vanilla. And I'm going to stir. Woo! So see here, if you can, kind of bubbling up a little bit. I'm going to keep kind of stirring. This is to kind of ensure that the vanilla gets all the way through. It is very, very hot. Don't lick the spoon. I licked the spoon. It was funny for others. So now you'll see kind of how it's begun to kind of look more like a normal caramel wood. That's how I'm going to know it's time to start adding this in a small, thin stream over my popcorn. And I literally used the wrong spoon for this. So I'm going to start stirring ahead of time. I'm going to pour this thin stream, stirring the whole time. Okay. Kind of mixing this all in. You can, if you want, just kind of lightly spray the uh, pot that your popcorn is in if you're kind of worried about caramel sticking to it. But it's not too big of a deal. The caramel's so hot. And honestly, you'll have plenty of caramel. So I'm going to give this a light stir. This is when you also, if you may want to have other mix-ins, when you're going to add that. So let's say you want to add some walnuts or you're going to want to add some um, cashews, maybe some rosemary to give it that nice light herbal flavor. That's the kind, uh, that's the time you can add that too. If you want to do chocolate or other things like that, this is not the time, 
Uh, everything that you're going to add to this is just going to completely melt and it will change the consistency of the caramel because your caramel's not done cooking. So, as you can see, I lightly sprayed my pan here. You're going to use two or one large baking dish, shallow, okay? You don't want it deep. You'll also see what in the recipe that you can grab online. You'll see that I uh, used, I said, an exceptionally large dish or pot when you're making your uh, pop caramel popcorn. That's the reason is, is I don't like to have more than half, if not to two-thirds full of the popcorn. Any more, and then I run the risk of getting it all over. I lose caramel. It makes a huge mess. That way I can ensure that it's all in there. So I have that like so in the pot in there and then I'm going to put it in the oven for about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. That's to kind of help cook the caramel just a little bit more and it also kind of helps give the gives it the flavor, helps it kind of stick to the rest of that. So I'm going to pull that, this one out here and I'm going to pop this one in right on top of this pan. There's two options that you can have. I've done both. One is I will just go ahead and put my Pyrex casserole pan on top of a cookie sheet. That way when I'm stirring, I, I drop anything or something like that. I kind of just, it doesn't fall onto my oven, but falls onto that. Another thing that you can do is I've taken my bottom rack and I've covered that with aluminum foil. That even more ensures the fact that no sugars, no caramels, no nothing kind of gets to the base, especially in my brand new Gorgeous, gorgeous oven. So I'm going to pull this other one out that I had cooking here too. Just kind of let that sit on the stove. And I'm going to put this in the oven for 225 to 250 for an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, kind of depending on what the time struggles that you have and the consistency that you want with your popcorn. The shorter the time that you leave it in the oven, the gooier and kind of chewier that it'll be. The longer that you leave it in the oven, the kind of crunchier, this darker and smokier that your uh, that the caramel will be. So I'll let this sit right here and I'll let it cool all the way before I package it up. So that I'm on it all the way to room temperature. You'll find that at that point it becomes super easy to kind of break apart into chunks. You can, if, you, if you're someone that likes those in kind of chunky forms, popcorn balls and stuff like that, let it cool for just a little bit, then kind of very carefully form them and pull them away, uh, waiting until the very end. So like, for example, if I wait until the end of this Pyrex pan there is all done, uh, that's how I'm going to get like these kind of great, kind of simple, single uh, caramel pieces. So awesome, right? So you're pre, like I said, preheat those in the oven. When you're done cooking it, um, if you're not in a rush and you don't really care, I like to turn my oven off and then I'll just crack the door for just to, for that while to let it cool down. I feel like I get an even better texture from the caramel and the popcorn if it kind of really just cools down kind of super slow versus like leaving it out on the counter where there might be a dramatic drop in temperature. Do not cool it in the fridge or the freezer. I cannot stress this enough. It will change the absolute texture of the caramel and it will um it will destroy everything you're not you're not going to be happy it doesn't take long for this to cool down to become some sort 
of kind of nice light thing. As you can see, it's five minute in it. Ooh, still pretty hot, but it's good. So, caramel corn, right? Now, you can change the formulation however you'd like for this. I'm not quite sure how this would do with non-sugar substitutes. Um, feel free to try them on your own using the same recipe setup and let me know what you think. Um, you can obviously change the calorie intake on this by using less of the amount of caramel or obviously if you're super into it, more caramel. That's a good way to gauge how healthy or unhealthy you want your caramel corn to be. Now, if you want to do things like your chocolate chips or you're going to drizzle it with chocolate or you want to add funfetti or other items, I'd wait about 15, maybe 20 minutes uh, after these have really started to cool down, but before they've really cooled down, just enough so that you're still able to work this without burning your fingers off. And that's when I'd kind of mix everything in. So if you're going to do chocolates like those, it's better off just to kind of drizzle it over the top and then let that harden on its own and then kind of break it up that way. All right. Well, I think, wait, we prefer extra caramel in gift bags. Well, I'm glad that producers like that. We may think about that. And you know what? Thinking of special things, there's something that I completely, completely forgot. And that was there is someone who will be or is watching this show right now who it's their birthday. So Sarah, my favorite, most amazing ukulele player that I happen to know, happy birthday. I hope you have a really great day today. Maybe, who knows, maybe sometime this week I'll have a chance to see you up at Connors if you decide to brave the art fair. So, so all right, let, let's move on to the next thing. Because we're in time. All right, so we're at 20 minutes. All right, let's go to the next thing. Who's ready for the next thing? I'm ready for the next thing. We have marshmallow treats. I love marshmallow treats. And one of the things that someone else who really loves marshmallow treats is my husband. As a matter of fact, my husband, well, he doesn't thrive on these as much anymore, but he loves them. And I would make these rice crados, you know, which ones I'm talking about, for him all of the time. And there was something that I always failed to do until I asked a little birdie. And that was, I never quite made them the way he liked. They were always too dry or they were always too mushy and he was never happy, ever. So, I asked, he said he had no idea. So I talked to his mother and lo and behold, I found out that the reason why I was making them wrong was because I was not using the proper number of marshmallows. And that brings us to the beginning of our next segment, 41 marshmallow marshmallow treats. I kid you not, 41 marshmallows is the perfect number for a pan of treats. So if you're making a nine by 13 pan, 41 marshmallows, not 40, not 43, not 40, uh, not 42, but 41. I have no idea where this number comes from or how this works or for trial or error, but I tested my loving and wonderful spouse for the longest time to see if perhaps he was just mistaken And every single time he called me out when I was making these incorrect. So I thought I would share with you some adaptations to the Rice Krispie Treat, or as we will call it, Marshmallow Cereal Bar, that I think are a lot of fun. And I hope that what this does is show you that there are quite a few different ways that you can make things beyond just what you may think and that are still super easy, super simple, and super tasty. 
So let's start with the basics. If you've never made Rice Krispie treats or any other marshmallow or cereal treat bar, okay. But if you have, you know the drill. We're either gonna make it on the stove, which is the slow and fancy version, or you can throw these in the microwave. So we're gonna commence launch here. I'm gonna set these here for 20 seconds. I've got uh, two tablespoons of butter and 20, uh, 41 marshmallows in there, okay? I'm not gonna, what I'm gonna do first is kind of make sure that the marshmallows have reached like their same temperature. So that's why I'm actually doing them in two separate stages. I got two tablespoons of butter in here and I've got the marshmallows. I'm pulling this out on that first turn. Like so. I'm gonna pop this back in the mic for another 20 seconds. Honest to gosh, this is so easy and so simple. I don't even know why this could be even considered for a segment, but honestly, they're so good that they're that good. But we're going to talk about cereals. Obviously, I'm a celiac, so I like to eat gluten-free, and I need to eat gluten-free, and I have to. Thankfully, there are some cereals out there that you can buy that are going to be gluten-free. I, If you're going to be making these for a celiac, which I hope to gosh you are, a couple things to ensure. Not all, not all marshmallows are gluten-free. Make sure that you check the bag for things like modified food starch or, God forbid, even wheat flour. The same can be said for some cereals. Some people uh, react differently, so it's always best to check with your celiac friend what cereals they prefer before you decide to make their cereal bars. For me, my two favorites are Cocoa Bell chocolate puffs and rice checks, especially when I'm making this. So I've got my butter and I've got my marshmallows in here. I'm gonna go ahead and add just a little bit of vanilla. And I'm gonna mix. Okay, then I'm gonna start adding my mixture. We're gonna start with these. The chips mix here. In the end, it's going to be about six cups. You want to remember, based on the size of your, uh, the size of the cereal and additional add-ins that you might be adding into it, you'll want to adjust accordingly. You're going to want to put one to two cups of uh, uh, cereal in here at a time so that you stir. One that kind of helps get that uh, marshmallow mixture getting mixed in here really well. It also makes sure that. Um, that your uh, right, uh, your treats are always kind of consistent, so you don't have one stuff that's got like a bunch of marshmallow and no cereal mixture, or vice versa. The next thing I'm going to go ahead and add, honestly, are your mix-ins. This is so much fun because you can pull whatever you want. In this instance, what I want are pretzels. So I'm going to take these salted pretzels. Hold oh, yeah. Toss those in there. I'm going to give it one good swirl like that. And again, when you're making these, if you've never made these before, you can kind of tell whether you want to add more or if you've gone a little too far with your cereal based on how gooey everything starts to get. These I particularly like a little gooey. So the last thing I'm going to add into these are chocolate chips. Fun fact on this chocolate chips, you have two ways you can go about this. If you want to make a kind of chocolate swirl, I would have added these chocolate chips before I added my uh, pretzels. Like I, I'm doing it second to last kind of in that way. That because while I'm stirring, the marshmallow mixture is going to be hot enough to melt my chocolate chips, thus giving me these really cool and magnificent swirls. 
If you want the chocolate chips at the end of this, then you're going to want to add these last. So that way they have a tendency to hold together and your marshmallow mixture has had a chance to cool enough where it's less likely to uh, basically mix those, uh, melt everything in the drop of the hat. I'm going to spray again with a nonstick cooking spray. Another fun fact about nonstick cooking spray, again, not all nonstick cooking sprays are gluten-free. You want to definitely make sure that what you're putting in this thing is just the oil. Some nonstick cooking sprays actually have a wheat flour as part of their non, uh, not binding agents to that. So always double check. Sometimes it can be the simplest of things that can hurt your friends. Trust me, I know. So I've taken that in here like so. That's really cool. My favorite part, I'm gonna spray my hands. It's just easier that way. I'm gonna lightly push down. If I press down too hard while I'm trying to form these into the pan, I'm gonna make kind of a dense mess, which honestly, no one likes. Um, they have a tendency to be dense and dark. That's when it's, they're just not as good. So lightly pressing, especially with your hands greased like that, kind of allows me to form those like so without having to worry about um, you know breaking everything down. So those are done. I'm gonna wrap those with saran wrap and then I'm gonna just sit those out on the counter for about two hours, and then I can refrigerate if I want, but I definitely wanna kinda of leave them out here. If they are a little too gooey and wet for you, do not wrap them in saran wrap, just kinda of let them out. That's gonna naturally pull the moisture out of the, of the uh, marshmallow bars, and that's uh, kinda of help dry them out a little bit. If in fact you're a little worried or they're at that perfect consistency, just wrap them in saran wrap. Leave them out on the counter for a couple as they are allowed to kind of form. After about one and a half to two hours, you can kind of pull those out and then um, bells will be good enough to slice. So the other one that I want to do for you are my, honestly, kind of my most favorite of favorites. It's the same way that I made the other ones. Marshmallows, a tablespoon of that, and in this instance, some cocoa puffs. The reason why I want to do two is that it's really the point of this segment is to show you how easy and simple it is to take something like your marshmallows and just kind of mix them together into something new and something different, not the same old thing that you think. Maybe you don't have celiac, lucky you, and you want to try these with some cinnamon toast crunch, or you want to make these a little bit healthier. You could do these with some granola, absolutely. And the idea is to just give you an option as long as you use 41 marshmallows, okay? Always. So, same idea, just drop these in here. This is going to take me less than a minute and a half to get all of these done, right? I'm gonna mix these up. I love the, the chocolate puffs because to me, these always give you this nice, neat juxtaposition of flavor between the vanilla and the chocolate and the marshmallow. A little bit more in there. But use whatever you want. Use what, you know, use that, that cereal that you have in the back of your thing that's about to go bad. That's a great thing to do with this stuff. So I'm gonna leave those like so. And for this, I think I want white chocolate chips. Lots of them. 
season two. <laughs> and I'm mixing these up. Again, I want these to be extra gooey, right? Like I want all marshmallow all the time. Maybe a little less marshmallow. Pull those in. I'm gonna spray these down again like I did before with the gluten-free nonstick cooking spray. Pop those right on there like that. Super duper easy. What do we always say on the show? Easy peasy. He thinks I'm smart enough to know what that is, huh? And again, I'll let that cool. So what do we think? Great ideas, right? Wow. I'm so happy to be back with you guys for season two. I think we are going to have a great time. I can't wait to show you all of the other things that we're going to be making this season. Next week, for example, when we're doing those uh, uh, yeasted, uh, yeasted breads and the yeasted sweet breads, ah, those dinner rolls are going to be great. I am so unbelievably appreciative to all of you for watching today's show and playing and making this. I hope you go home or if you are at home and you have the time that you stop and make some caramel corn or maybe some really cool treats. But whatever you do, do it your way. Well, almost your way. Use 41 marshmallows every single time. But make sure that you take your adaptations because as always with the Grumpy Bunny, I'm just here to kind of show you a path that you can go. It's up to you to make your own way. It's up to you to decide what you want to do. And I hope that this has shown you that it's a lot easier than you thought to make some things like caramel corn or marshmallow treats and that you can change your thing no matter what you want. It's okay and tons of fun. I think... We are so grateful for <laughs> this today. I cannot thank all of you enough for watching my show. If any of you decide that you want to hang out after the show and uh, answer questions, absolutely. If not, we will see you in two weeks when we do yeasted breads. Talk to you later, everybody. Bye.